This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. We'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and the World English Bible. But I determined this for myself, that I would not come to you again in sorrow. For if I make you grieve, then who will make me glad? But he who is made to grieve by me. And I wrote this very thing to you, so that when I came, I wouldn't have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy would be shared by all of you. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be made to grieve, but that you might know the love that I have so abundantly for you. Paul is explaining his previous rebukes, and his intention wasn't simply to shame them or bring them to sorrow. In fact, it had been difficult for him to share the truth with them and to correct them. He had written so that the problems could be addressed, And it was because of his abundant love for them. Today, uh, many people, if you disagree or try to correct them, consider you a hater. What we see from the scripture is if someone truly loves you, um, they're going to do what they can to point you in the right direction. Verse 5, For if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in part that I not pressed too heavily to you all. So Paul is acknowledging that there has been a transgression of some kind, but he, he doesn't want to to make too much out of it. He acknowledges if if it's caused sorrow, it's it's not personal to me, it's it's to you as the church. And 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 then he speaks about the judgment the church had given, the punishment they had um doled out to this individual. Verse six This punishment which was inflicted by the many is sufficient for such a one, so that on the contrary you should rather forgive him and comfort him, lest by any means such a one should be swallowed up with his excessive sorrow. Therefore I beg you to confirm your love towards him. For to this end I also wrote that I might know the proof of you, whether you are obedient in all things. Now I also forgive whomever you forgive anything. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, that no advantage may be gained over us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So Paul wrote for two purposes. First, this needed, this situation in the church needed to be addressed. Secondly, um, he, he sent the letter ahead before he was there to handle things in person to see if the church was willing to do the work of the church, if they would be, if their leadership would be obedient uh, to his God inspired instructions. And so uh, Paul's now wanting to make sure, though, that um, they're not overly loyal to him and, and make a, a permanent enemy out of this individual. Paul's correction um, and his call for the church discipline wasn't due to him being personally hurt. It wasn't like a personal vendetta. And in fact, um, just as he had previously encouraged the church to remove a member due to unrepentant sin, he now encourages the church to forgive and to comfort so that a disciplined minister didn't feel completely abandoned and become swallowed up by sorrow. The goal in the end is for all men to be saved. And so Paul instructed them to confirm their love even for this one that we would call the guilty party, the offender. He, he let them know that he himself, the apostle, was also willing to forgive. And he says, we've got to do this because a lack of forgiveness gives Satan an advantage. When, whenever 
the church isn't willing to forgive, we become divided from the body of believers. We're, we're no longer truly His one church. And also, we can become entrapped in our sins because Jesus said with the, with the measure that we're willing to give forgiveness, that's the measure by which we can receive forgiveness. Verse 12, Now when I came to Troas for the good news of Christ, and when a door was opened to me in the Lord, I had no relief for my spirit, because I didn't find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went out into Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and reveals through us the sweet aroma of His knowledge in every place. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God in those who are saved and in those who perish. To the one a stench from death to death, so the, to the other a sweet aroma from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God we speak in Christ." So Paul here is speaking of his travels and his labor for the Lord, and and he acknowledges the human side. So often ministers are expected to always present themselves as if they're spiritual superheroes who who never face any discouragement or never get weary in body. But Paul acknowledges his his humanity, the human side of, of being a man of God. Uh, yes, you're of God, but you're still a man or a woman. And so he says, while he was ministering, he found no relief. He was laboring without his brother Titus, and, and that was difficult for him. And to the people, he said, to the people that are perishing, uh, he and, and the other ministers uh, were rejected like something that smelled of death. Um, rejection is a is a very painful emotion. And yet he faced it repeatedly because he had given his life to proclaiming the gospel and most people uh, rejected the gospel. And so he knew what it was like to be persecuted because of his beliefs and because of the good he was trying to do. In fact, when he, he thought of the the weight of eternity that's been placed on the shoulders of the people of God, he said, who is sufficient for these things? And many times, if you've ever tried to live for the Lord or tried to be a witness or tried to serve in any capacity, you know that feeling. Like, who is truly able to do what we're called to do? And so that's the human side, as he's a man dealing with his own feelings and emotions. And then, and then now we see faith as he acknowledges the hand of God in all that he does as well. He said when he was serving, there was a door that had been opened to him by the Lord. He said, God always leads us in triumph and reveals knowledge through us. And, and then he contrasted where unbelievers considered them as, as something that smelled of death, something despicable. He said, to those that are saved, the minister and his message is the sweet aroma of life. And so he concludes, after acknowledging some of the difficulty and acknowledging the hand of God, he concludes, we speak the word of God in sincerity as the people of God in the sight of God. And wouldn't that be a great testimony for all of our lives? We speak the word of God. We do it in sincerity. We do it as the people of God. We do it in the sight of God, knowing that we're going to give an account for what we do. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. I ask you that you would help us to to show love, to extend forgiveness, to speak the truth, to keep uh, to keep 
bringing words of life to people, even if we've been rejected by others, that we wouldn't be intimidated, that we wouldn't be swayed by men, but help us to be completely sincere and to, and to speak your word to a world that needs to hear it. We pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.